check 197, check 198, check 5, check 6. Maverick Matthews. What is the moral of this, as the Duchess in Alice in Wonderland will always ask? What lies outside the collective is the realm of the demonic. But this realm is also the realm of the innovative, the evolutionary, and that which addresses our deep and unquenchable need for the infinite. History shows that the people who have worked on the very boundaries of human intelligence have reached this place in altered states. Yes, middle of November, broadcasting from a hidden fortified compound in the mountains above Los Angeles, California. My name is Maverick Matthews, and this is Pepper for Your Steak, uh, Volume 8. Little break there, huh? Thanks for being patient. Sorry we dropped off your radar. Um... A lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. We were also hosting family, which is exhausting. A, a great example of how exhausting. Um, one of the things I, I want to apologize for is not putting out some kind of secret episode from the Magic Castle. I had hoped to record something cool there, behind the scenes. Didn't get to it. Actually, um, on one of my rounds there recently, on Halloween weekend... I actually fell asleep at dinner while I was eating a steak. I like dozed off momentarily. I had like a micro sleep. Micro sleeps happen when you have pushed your body to the absolute limit. And it's like, you know what? I don't care if you want to stay awake. You're st- I'm going to take a st- five seconds here and or 20 seconds or whatever it was. <laughs> I- I'm not making excuses. I... I've had a bad habit, as my buddy likes to put it, um, for wearing it down to the nub. I actually asked the same buddy. I mentioned to him that I fell asleep at the Magic Castle in front of guests, dignitaries, as it were. He goes, oh, yeah, has that ever happened to you before? I go, no. He goes, well, it happened to me for the first time recently as well. I go, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah, it was not pleasant. It was a business meeting in Asia. And... uh yeah, they don't take kindly to that kind of thing. <laughs> he goes, but the business worked out fine. We crushed it, so whatever. And that actually makes a great subtle point. I do feel bad, but you got to keep trudging. Keep trudging through the snow. I do feel bad, though. I mean, I was at dinner with Axel Rose. I mean, not the real Axel Rose. It was Halloween. So I was at dinner with a uh, another gentleman, a family member, dressed like Axl Rose. And that made me really want to start this episode with, uh, with a quote from Billy Corgan. Um, 
lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins. Now, I, I had, didn't really know much about Billy Corgan, and I, I suspect you don't know much about him either, but check out this episode on Joe Rogan Experience. I'm basically doing ads for everybody now because I'm, I'm going to start being an aggregator, aggregator, aggregator of this information. <laughs> Joe Rogan Experience. I think it's like 1,038 Billy Corgan on, uh, on Axl Rose. Pepper for your steak, 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 steak. When, when, when I look at Axl Rose, I have to see a free person. Mm. That means more to me than whether he did the right thing in 2000X. I'm more interested in that. That's a unique perspective. So you like the fact that he didn't give a fuck and he just went crazy. I love just... that about Axl Rose. <laughs> I love awesome. that about Axl Rose. I love that he doesn't give two fucks about anything. I think that's so fascinating because there are true, there are only a few american iconic artists that are truly free yeah and the fact that so it's like was hunter thompson s thompson free or you know it's like we only have a few of those people yeah johnny cash right johnny cash had some weird bad years and yeah you know was every year of johnny cash perfect was every year of neil young perfect it's the sum total of what that person represents right that i think is the durability so we, as a fans, we get into like, well, I don't like the new song, or I, th I think that misses the mark. There's only one Guns N' Roses in the whole world, and I have fought like mightily internally to to protect what the Smashing Pumpkins means. I know it's not for everybody, but there's only one Smashing Pumpkins. I know that. I knew that as a kid, and then I got a little lost in it, and I've come out the other side, and I realized that protecting what that brand is worth is is so much more valuable than whether somebody liked one song or one album or something mm. I said in 1992. It's so inconsequential. Fuck yeah, Billy Corgan. You know, what he's saying here is, is so incredible. What he's saying is... It doesn't matter what some of the individual brushstrokes that make up the painting of your life are. What, and it's, it's a given that some of them are going to be crazy. In fact, you know, if a certain percentage of those are crazy, the next thing you know, you're Picasso and you're going through, or was it Van Gogh? I think it was Van Gogh, actually, going through a yellow phase because you've been drinking absinthe so much, you've lost the yellow in your vision, or so the legend goes, right? What Billy's essentially saying about Axel is that he, he loves the fact that he's free. These yeah. artists are free. And so their picture is going to reflect them truly. It's not going to be a homogenized picture. What does your picture look like? Now, granted, that's the biggest responsibility of your life, is to decide what, the, what you want the overall hue of the, the, the finished product to look like. And yeah, people are going to be able to overlook those crazy few strokes. But do you want the whole thing to be crazy? Do you want it to look like a Jackson Pollock? Can you tell that I just went and visited the Broad Museum? <laughs> and I'm like in art language mode? <laughs> the Broad was cool, but also very frustrating. I found it a little frustrating because um, there were pieces there that I totally understood. Um, not as a piece of artwork, but I understood the reason they were there. And other pieces, I wanted to smash the container and rip out and throw in the street. 
it's because it didn't like these people were obviously uh, charlatans. They had tricked someone into being there. And of course, this meant that, uh, you know, my girlfriend and I had many fiery discussions about the nature of art over the course of the day. And something that I came to start, like some phrase that got stuck in my head that I started saying was that a great piece of art or fine art won't require an explanation. You can look at the Statue of David. It doesn't require an explanation. You can look at the Mona Lisa. It doesn't require an explanation. I mean, sure, you could you could start pontificating on what makes it so fantastic, but no one needs to be told, this is a beautiful statue, this is a beautiful picture. Even with contemporary and expressionist art, And it may take actually being an artist to know this. I don't know, because I happen to be one. I don't know what it's like not to be one. But when you look at a Jackson Pollock, you can still see that there was a lot of practice that went into getting that layering correct so that the so that the actual composition was evenly weighted as you look at it. You know, it's very even across it. it. It took a lot of work, even though it looks like someone just splashing paint. It's not just someone splashing paint, and you can't tell that until you actually start painting. And now, expressionist art is where I got super frustrated because it, it starts to get into this gray area where the explanation is more important than the actual art piece when you have two simple color tones, you know. Um, art is completely subjective. You can say that anything is art, but I still maintain that the true nature of art is something that requires a diligence to pursue and a purity which requires little to no explanation at all. You can look at it and go, mm-hmm, yep. And the reason I feel that way is because I feel that way about nature. Beauty in nature, which is true beauty, it doesn't need our explanation. We don't have to explain to people why a mountain covered with snow is beautiful. It just is in the way that a beach in Hawaii is beautiful. See what I did there? I'm foreshadowing a transition. Good art should be like nature because isn't the purpose of art to help man resonate and feel blissful? Isn't that the purpose of art, is to help him contemplate and understand his realm by... I mean, it doesn't have to be positive art. It can be something really gruesome, but it will still resonate, and it will still help you uh, synergistically understand your world. 
And then there's a guy who just puts a fucking table leg up there and paints it black and says, this table leg and this piece of wood that is a completely square block, these represent blobbity blue, and I'm going to fucking take that table leg and smash him in the head. I mean, I'm looking at intricate carvings and beautiful mandalas. And then I walk into the next room and some fucking asshole has taken a table leg and painted it black. This represents... Fuck you, buddy. Ah, but you can't argue, you know, you might not agree with me. You might think that all art is subjective and who the fuck am I to say what art is, blah, blah, Totally, that's fine. That's true. But you can't argue with how beautiful Hawaii is. going to be doing a we the imperial me uh we the mouse and, and and myself i was listening to a podcast of richard branson the other day <laughs> and he says we the entire time we finally got our first aircraft and uh we had a lot of champagne in a party and i was passing a dupe around that guy's fucking awesome check out check out richard branson on joe uh i'm sorry joe, he'll send so much joe on tim ferris um same same time period as this podcast. Pretty rad. Okay, what was I saying? Yeah, yeah. We're going to be in Hawaii. Speaking of um, jet-setting Richard Branson, we're going to be in Hawaii, and I'm going to be doing a series of interviews from a bunch of local people there. They're going to be pretty rad. I don't want to pump them up too much because I have no idea what direction they're going to go in. It's Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to try to paint a really cool picture of what Hawaii is actually like. So if you're into... Um, the volcano, Hawaiian mythology, um, astronomy, um, what else? Any, you know, the ocean in general, or just, just fucking Hawaii, being lazy on the beach, you know, beach culture. There's going to be a bunch. I'm going to bang them out real, real soon here, so watch for that. And I said, kids, you remember when I said, where would you like to go this summer more than any place in the world, huh? What'd you say? Why? Shut up, Russ. Audrey, Remember? Uh, Wally World, Dad? Wally World, Dad. Thanksgiving is coming up. Um, and that means that uh, Christmas is right around the corner. We're also going to be doing some cool Christmas episodes. Not sure where I'm going to be broadcasting from for New Year's, but we'll do something cool for that as well. I'm thinking about doing a mix that I could release um, that you could listen to and I'd release it before New Year's so you could as a Christmas present and you could listen to it at New Year's that'd be pretty cool been working on a lot of music lately um, it's de definitely about time to check the levels here I've been punishing you enough uh, we're gonna do some Lana Del Rey from the album Paradise Paradise is her it's basically her commentary on jumping headfirst into the artist game here in Los Angeles. It is brutal. It is not forgiving. Um, Hunter Thompson had a great quote on the industry here. Let's see here. Uh, here's the quote. The TV business is uglier than most things. It's normally perceived as some kind of cruel and shallow money trench 
through the heart of the journalism industry, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs for no good reason at all. There's also a negative side. <laughs> it, it just occurs to me now that it's something I thought all along. LA is like a huge cemetery. It's like a, uh, you know, like a cemetery of the future. Um... Oh, fuck you! <laughs> uh, man, that man had fire. Um... Um, sorry about the ums, people. Let's see here. Okay, we're going to check the levels. You know what to do. I'm glad we squeezed this one in. You know, I leave day after tomorrow. Tomorrow's like the last day to get things in order. Run around this crazy city. Pick things up just like Hunter before he zipped out of town to Vegas. Oh. So many great warriors came before us to inspire us, people. Study their lives. They will enrich your life. Learn about the cool shit they had the balls to do. Lana Del Rey had the balls to write some shit and be super honest about what she is as a commodity, or at least be ironically honest, or who knows how. I'm not going to speak for her. I'm not going to say what this means or what this is. Anything other than it's brilliant, I think. Let's check the levels, Peppa, for your steak.
Dude, what a bad ass bitch. Are you kidding me? I really would like to spend 20 minutes breaking down that song, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna give you a couple things to think about. Go back and re-listen to it. When she goes, Harvey's in the sky with diamonds and he's driving me crazy. Harvey's got all the money. He's up there in the sky with all those diamonds. He's driving me crazy. All he wants to do is party with this pretty baby. He just wants to jump on me. She's so brutally introspective and then just turns it around and goes, that's life. Look how beautiful it can be. I worship you, Lana Del Rey. You can come hang out at the cabin if I can get permission from my girlfriend, but I bet I can because she goes that way. Just saying. Okay. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that shit out. If I forget to edit that out, somebody text me and go, you forgot to edit that out. To which I'll reply, that's life, baby. Isn't it beautiful? Now listen, let's not make light of everything. Things got really crazy over the last couple weeks. The shootings are fucking all the time now. Vegas was creepy. I mean, we're in a weird spot, you know. This is a great opportunity to really become a little more introspective and steal yourself for what may or may not be coming next. And let's be honest, we, we there's no way to like flush yourself out of this mechanism. You're stuck here. This is where we are. This is our reality. The truth of it is, our day-to-day -day existence is fucking incredible. I mean, it's amazing. We can fly around in planes. People spend hundreds of millions of dollars to make movies to entertain us. Life is pure comfort. But the payoff, for some reason, cosmically and karmically, for all those exceptional comforts, is this weird psychosis that we're dealing with as a society. Now look, it's no it's no secret that that I think you have to make an active attempt and take an active participation in the development of your own psychology. And if you're not thinking about what you're thinking about, so to speak, your brain can sort of wander down paths and get lost. I, I that's a weird metaphor to use, but that really is the nature of mental illness. It's a very squirrely road. And we're all going to experience some kind of neurodegeneration when we get older, unless we use science to mitigate that. I mean, that's the truth. Things just start falling apart. Since there's not much we can do about that, we better take an active role in sort of uh, doing what we can. And one of the things we can do is seek out great examples. If I want this podcast to be anything, I want it to be a little mine you can go to and get all these little gold nuggets of, uh, of inspiration and of wisdom. They're not mine. I'm parroting almost 99% of this because we're, we're, we're supposed to be parroting nature. A close observation of nature will lead to the truth because nature doesn't lie. Nature just is. Humans are the only thing that lie, you know? Now, you could say, oh, what about a butterfly that looks like a snake's head so that a bird doesn't eat it? Isn't that a lie? No, because he's just being that. He's, he's deceiving. I didn't say nature doesn't deceive. 
but nature doesn't lie. It just is. Trust in me, trust in me. Maybe nature does lie. I don't think it does, though. I think it's pretty honest. It's like, look, this is how it is, and we don't like that as a species for some reason, especially as a Western culture. A lot of cultures have liked it a little too much, you know, the stoic nature of the Eastern culture, sort of like stripping everything away, going towards Buddhism where, like, life is suffering, and you just want to be stoic and, and sort of observe it and not have any possessions. No, that's not, that's, the, that's not the middle ground. And setting up a bunch of crazy rules to attain a higher enlightenment that's not the middle ground either. But having guidelines and discipline and seeking out true natural boundaries and cultivating true synergies, that is the direction we need to be going in, baby. So, Thanksgiving. Be thankful that we have the internet still, at least for now. And use this as an opportunity to steal yourself. You know the best way you can practice discipline over the holidays? Don't eat shitty food. Good luck. It's delicious. So it's impossible not to eat shitty food. Reduce the portions. Just eat little tastes of everything. Make it an opportunity for little tastes. I'm about to go to Hawaii for Thanksgiving. It is going to be a battleground of fattening food. Oh my god, I can't wait to tell you. I can't wait to describe these podcasts. Or these meals, rather. The food out there is incredible. Um, oh, I'm getting giddy just thinking about it. Oh my gosh, yeah, you know, it's so, it's so much better than the bratwurst. Nothing's better than the bratwurst. Um, except for tacos, which is then trumped by sushi, and then there's there's a whole system, guys. Okay. A little tangential there. We've been pretty on track for this one, though. We're moving into the second phase of the podcast. This is um, sort of the introspective phase. What can you really do to steal yourself against the world? I don't know why that, you know, these words, they get stuck in my vernacular. Steal. Um, what can you do to strengthen yourself? Well, the first thing is you should really have some kind of exercise regimen. Physically strengthening yourself will really help take care of your psychology. That may sound counterintuitive, but that is the deal. Um, motion equals emotion. Okay, I've said that before, and that comes from Tony Robbins and from somebody before him. But remember, if you're not feeling good emotionally, change your physical body. But now that you're putting in that time with your physical body, and you feel pretty healthy, and you're eating healthy, and you're doing all that stuff, what then? What do you do towards your psychology then? Well, a lot of methodologies out there for you, a lot of roots. But basically, historically speaking, humankind has always gone into experience to develop its courage or to develop its will. And so once you've mastered a bunch of things, once you've had many experiences, you, you psychologically know that you have a quiver to pull answers from. You have a lot of arrows to fire at those questions. And you feel more confident. That's where confidence comes from. So confidence comes from experience. Well, in this fucking crazy realm that we're in, for whatever reason, 
there are cheat codes. And one of the cheat codes is psychedelic mushrooms. That's right. There's a lot of different kinds of mushrooms on this planet. There's mushrooms that'll kill you if you eat them and shut down your kidneys and liver and shit. There's mushrooms that are great in food. And then there's mushrooms that actually will give you a shamanistic experience. And you can come back to your own little tribe of one and take those answers forward and do whatever you want with them. But this is real, okay? Mushrooms are... Psychedelic mushrooms, specific, specifically um, psilocybin, I believe, are actually up for legalization in California. Yeah, we're not fucking around out here. We're moving forward, people. So I'm actually going to share a story from Paul Stamets on Joe Rogan uh, that I heard recently. He, he's a mushroom expert that I've been following since I first got a guide to go look for mushrooms and then decided that it was way too fucking complicated. It's no joke. There's a lot to be said about how to do this kind of thing properly. Mushrooms are, much like the electronic music experience, something you need to take seriously and something that can be really sacred if you do it the right way. Unfortunately, most people have no fucking idea what that is. And that's why we're here! This isn't going to be an instructional podcast on that just yet, and I would never tell you to do anything illegal, uh, so don't do anything illegal. Good. Boom. Having said that, Man, when I was in college, I was fortunate enough to go to Evergreen State University, along with Paul Stamets. Not the same time, but same college, different period. And um, I had a roommate who sold mushrooms, and so I was fortunate to be introduced to this culture by someone who took it seriously, who knew the rules, and knew the boundaries. And when you have an expert like that, you can really learn to, to ride the metaphorical bicycle really quickly, and then you get to go on fantastic bike rides, and you know how to watch out for the potholes. If you don't know how to ride the bike and you just happen to find one, much like Paul Stamets did, he got really lucky on his journey. My very first mushroom journey, I don't know if I have told it on here or not, but I'll tell, I'll give you a brief summary. I'd never gotten stoned before. I had never, I'd only been drunk a handful of times, decided to take a very large dose of mushrooms with a girlfriend and a bunch of friends. And they were very comfortable with the experience. For me, it was fresh, new, and mind-blowingly overwhelming. I'm not going to tell the intimate one here because Paul's going to tell his, so I'll save mine for another time. But suffice to say, it was overwhelming, I definitely cried at multiple periods. And then finally I was introduced to Pink Floyd. I was with some pros. They know what they were doing. And I still regard it as one of the seminal experiences of my life. Um, positive, emotional, life-teaching, introspective, overwhelming. It's impossible to describe. I'm still going to try, but I'm sure I'll be. I'll come up short, you know. Paul does a pretty good job uh, in his own right, so here he is, but there are a lot of tools to reach for to look for that experience. The best one is to go out into the world and be and do things and experience, and that's how you calibrate. But you might want to put a little spice on your life. You might want to put a little pepper on that steak. A lot of drugs to try and do and, and shift your reality. And I believe if you do those respectfully and honestly and with clarity, and respectfully means 
learning everything you can and then introducing yourself to that realm carefully. And still they may not be for you. Still they could kill you. Still the sword is sharp when you swing it. Everything has a penalty, even if you do everything right. But there is value in that experience somewhere. I, I, I think it's one of the most powerful things I've ever done and continue to do every six months or so. It will teach you about the web of the planet, the web of Indra, as the Hindus call it. All right, I gotta go. Actually, I literally have to go get some ribs off the grill right now. <laughs> so, uh, at least I talk the talk, huh? Walk the walk. At least I talk too much. Um, I'm gonna go get these ribs off the grill. I did like a little sriracha lingonberry glaze. Got some of that lingonberry sauce from Ikea. What? What? Um, yeah, try that out, motherfucker. Pepperfish steak. Here's some, some more Joe Rogan. I know I've been clobbering you with the Jerry this week, but he's had some great people, obviously. He crushes it. Go check him out. These are not substitutes for the whole podcast. They're just to wet your whistle. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just like a little compass. Go that way. Go this way. Look over here. Take your pants off. Quick. <laughs> uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Night and you and blue. It's the coming of age ceremony. Now I'm going to tell you something that's very deeply personal and it's very significant in my life. I had a congenital stuttering habit. I could not speak. I could not look at Joe Rogan in the eye right now without, you know, I had like the King's speech. You've seen the movie exactly like that, but worse in my case. I went through six years of speech therapy. I was interviewed for special education. I grew up in a small town called Columbiana, Ohio. And I could not speak. Now, the type of stuttering habit that I have and had I don't stutter to animals. I had pet snapping turtles, and I would talk to them all the time. And I don't stutter when I sing. But I could not elocute without stuttering constantly. And please, people out there, don't finish a stutterer's sentence. The type of stutterer category that I have been in is that we would try to trick our brain with a prepositional or adverbial phrase halfway through the sentence that we're stuck on because we're thinking three or four sentences ahead, and the only way you can do is trick the brain. So I had to come up with a new neurological pathway to trick my brain so I could get out of my stuttering rhythm that was just repetition I couldn't get out of. And then one day, uh, before I'd ever had psilocybin mushrooms, I bought some, a bag of them, and I thought I, got, I had no information. I just bought the bag for about 25 bucks, and I went out for a walk in the woods in Ohio, and there was a beautiful oak tree that I used to climb to the top of the, the very top of the tallest hill. You know, in Ohio, we don't have mountains, we have hills. And um, it was in the summertime, and so I thought set and setting is important. I knew that, so I, I went for a walk. And I ate the bag, <laughs> the whole bag, when I was walking. How many ounces, you think? Well, it was about, I know it was about a half an ounce to an ounce. So, oh. I mean, yeah. So, we're, we're talking, um, this, is, this is, 
this is the elevator ride beyond the 10th floor, you know. So, so 8 to 16 grams? Is that what you're talking it, was about? A, it was probably on the order of about 20 grams, oh. you know. So, oh. no. And, oh. But I didn't know. No, I had no one to. <laughs> so, but I knew, but I went to this, I went to, my destination was this tree. Right. So I walked and walked and I came at the tree and I was eating the mushrooms and and then I started feeling the effects. And so it was great because I was climbing the tree and I was getting higher in the tree and higher in my brain. Well, that, that seems like a terrible cool. thing to do. And I <laughs> climbed to the top of the tree and this beautiful landscape, but it was, there was these, in the summertime, these boiling black clouds on the horizon. I go, oh, that's cool. You know, and so this big summer storm was coming and the, and the, the clouds were dark and boiling and and they're coming close and i could hear the thunder you know and and then i'm going higher and higher and the winds pick up and the tree started moving and i started getting vertigo because i was like oh my god i'm getting so freaking high on these mushrooms and so i grabbed the tree and held on the tree and it became my axis mundi into the earth and then the lightning started coming closer and the lightning strikes started getting really close and the lightning would hit and i go I saw fractals for the first time. The, the, the atmosphere became liquid. I saw these liquid waves of these multidimensional geometrical patterns everywhere, and the sparks of lightning would just create this amazing crescendo of, of secondary, tertiary, you know, uh, fractals all around me. And I was like, oh, my, it was amazing. I said, like, this is what I read about, you know. And so the storm came, and lightning strikes were all around me, and I was washed with rain, and and I was up there, and I felt I felt in touch with Gaia, the universe. My heart opened up. I felt one with all. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such a powerful spiritual experience. I had no idea. No matter what anyone has read, as you probably know, it cannot describe the experience. And then it dawned on me, wait a second, Stamets. You're on the tallest tree on the tallest hill for miles in the middle of a lightning storm. This is not the best place to be. <laughs> and so I realized... I could be killed up here. Suddenly I had a reality rush, like, you know, you're... Or you could turn into a god. <laughs> Imagine, like a comic book, high on 20 grams of mushrooms, <laughs> hugging a tree, the lightning comes, it hits you, and... <laughs> Maybe you were the savior. Maybe you need to get back to that tree. <laughs> Maybe you're the chosen one. So I... So this... I was, you know, I... It was an incredibly spiritual and wonderful experience, but I also had... Uh, the fear, and this comes comes with the, the hero's journey. You know, you always have the the dark side. You always have not just the light side, but this counterbalance with the dark side. And, and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I could die up here. And I said, well, I don't die, Stamets. What's, what are your issues? This, this get something out of this experience. And I said, this stuttering habit is ridiculous, and I, I'm not stupid. And I, so I said to myself, stop stuttering now. Stop stuttering now. I said that dozens, hundreds of times, over and over and over. And fortunately, the storms went past and held on to the tree. And soaking wet, I came out of the tree and walked back to where I was living. And then the next day, I'm, I got up. I didn't see anybody. And I was walking along on, on this path and a sidewalk. And there's a lady that I really liked a lot. And, uh, but she was always attracted to the super self-assured jocks and things like that. She was actually very kind and sweet, but I didn't want to stare at her in the eyes because I would stutter and it's humiliating for us. So the more humiliating us stutterers feel, the more we stutter. And so it's a really slippery slope. And so I would avoid eye contact. And so for the first time, she walked towards me. She said, good morning, Paul. How are you? She was always so nice to me, and I was terrified. 
because I'd embarrassed myself. And I looked at her straight in the eyes, and I said, I'm doing fine. How are you? And I stopped stuttering in one day. Whoa. But that's my personal story. That's amazing. It's that's an amazing story. Everyone. But it, it worked for you. That's what's important. It worked for me, and I... I, I, I Joe Rogan is a dirty badass for being able to get these quality guests. I'll tell you, man, my life has been enriched by him. He spawned this whole podcast movement. Podcast? Yeah, you don't know what a podcast is, huh? Oh my gosh. Okay, we're, we're going to keep this one short. I have to get on a fucking plane. So many loose ends to tie up. And what to leave you with? What sort of thing to leave you with? Listen, don't run out and go take the first mushrooms you can find because you're inspired by this. Sit down and think about this stuff for a while. It's supposed to be the pepper. <laughs> I'm staring at the typewriter I first lugged all the way across the Pacific. And from Texas, some thrift shop in Texas where I changed the label to have a cheaper price. A Smith Corona. I still have it. I typed the first manuscript of uh, Outpost of Xanadu, a book yet released. Yet unreleased, rather. Unreleased. If you're a publisher, dial 555 Maverick Matthews. And you can... You can get in touch with me, and I'll give you this manuscript. Thanks for being here, you guys. Let's be, and gals, let's not be... Um, <laughs> um, I have a tomahawk in my hand right now. I want to put it in my own skull. These words, they're sticky. You have to work on it. The beginning of Thanksgiving. We're going to the Pacific. Thanks for being here. This was cool. More soon. And I bet you'll be able to notice a more relaxed tone in the next few episodes. We'll see. Maybe it'll be uptight. I mean, I, after all, I am going back to see family. So, Okay, this music is some stuff I'm working on. Another secret about the Christmas episode is I'm also going to release some music on iTunes. Finally, a lot of these things that I put in here, these little blurbs, they're previews. So here's yet another one. Stay focused, people. Maverick Matthews here, pepper for your steak.